Welcome to Better Business with Magic. I'm your host, Nolan Webster, where I pull back the curtain and expose the concepts of magic that can help you in your business, your personal life, be more creative, and overcome obstacles. So stay tuned. Thank you for joining me on this new episode of Better Business with Magic. This is an exciting episode where if you ever wanted to learn concepts to be a spy or to be a better spy or know how the FBI does what it does, this is the episode to listen to. The FBI teaches its spies concepts of magic that helps the spy to blend in and vanish and be untraceable. There's a special group within the FBI called the Special Surveillance Group. It's a highly classified unit of investigative specialists that whose job is to go around the world and track down foreign nationals, U.S. citizens, people that are involved in espionage and terrorism and those federal level type crimes. They normally don't make arrests. They typically don't carry guns. Their job is just to gather information and gather intelligence. So being as close to their target is key for them. They're so secretive, people within the FBI don't even know exactly who is part of this group. Their nickname is the FBI Ghost. There was an interview with a former ghost that came on TV a few days ago, and I was able to make this connection between magic and what they do. Now, while he couldn't explain details of exact methods that they used, he did go over some concepts. And I want to go over those four concepts and then link them back to magic and what we do. So the first thing he said, it was know your target. Know who you're following. Know where they shop, where they eat, the route they take to and from work, to and from the store. Do they take a bike? Do they take a taxi? Subway? Do they drive themselves? All the information that you can find out about your target, you need to know. Family medical history as much as you can you need to know your target you need to know who you're following the next thing he said was you have to know your surrounding so if you're following somebody in in a city you need to know all the back roads all the ways that your target could get from point a to point b because you don't want to lose them you need to know the the safest bike routes to take you need to know if there's a shortcut through the park that your target could take You need to know that subway system. So if he hops trains, you're able to follow them. Then he said you need to blend in. These spies, these group of FBI specialists, they don't hide behind corners and around buildings and peek their head out. These people blend in with everyday society. They're consumers. They act as tourists. They act as business people. Their job is to get as close to their target as possible. And you can't do that hiding behind a corner. Last thing he said was you need to be able to adapt. Situation changes, weather could change, your target may go somewhere else, make a left turn instead of a right turn, and you need to be able to adapt and adjust to that. So those four concepts, I was like, talking to a magician would be perfect for the FBI in order to increase these concepts and how they they marry up with what we do in magic. So the first one was know your target. For us, it's know your audience, know who you are performing for. If I'm performing for a group of 
of techies that work at Google or Facebook and are coders and things of that nature, they're going to approach the show from a very analytical standpoint. There are things I can do to counter that and not make them see this as a puzzle rather than just enjoying a show. If it's an older senior citizen type crowd, I may need to talk louder, slow down a little bit, maybe not tell some of the jokes I would normally tell. So knowing who my audience is, I can prepare the best show for them. Then he went on to say, know your surroundings. For us, it's being able to set the stage. For some private parties that we do, we can't control that much of the environment. We may not be able to control the lighting or have a proper stage or things of that nature, but we can know the area in which we're performing. So if I'm performing in in a, a ballroom or a gala, I'm not gonna stand at the front door where people are coming and going, where it's very distracting for whoever I'm trying to perform for. Maybe I'll sit at a table where my back's to the wall so nobody will stand behind me. Maybe a round table isn't as good as maybe if I was to sit at a square table because I don't want somebody directly up against me whenever I'm performing for something. Maybe a certain part of the room is darker than the others. This is where people are hanging out at cocktail tables. Maybe it's by the bar area. People are kind of lingering. So that's a great place for me to go and be able to spend time with a, a spectator and perform some magic. They're not in a rush. They're not going back and forth. They're hanging out. However, if I'm in a theater setting, I have control over everything. The, the sight lines, the the lighting, the sound, if I want music playing, I can have that happen. If I need lights dimmed, house lights up, stage lighting, I can control all of that. When the curtain closes, when it comes up, I have ushers that I can use to help me out as well. I'm able to block off seats. If, if the theater's too wide, I can block off the left and right side extreme seats and control where the people sit. So there's a lot I can control and knowing that surrounding will allow me to perform things that I may normally not be able to, but because I know it and have control over it, I can. The next thing he said was to blend in. Again, these spies, they don't wear black overcoats with black eyes, black eyeglasses and black suits. You know, they wear everyday clothes and they blend in. They try to look like you and me in our normal everyday setting. And what resonated with me from that was everything communicates. So in magic, there's this concept of no matter how we stand, how we talk, what our hands are doing, the audience is picking that up. And a great example of this is an old magic trick called the French drop. And what it is, is let's say I have a coin in my left hand. My right hand comes over to take it. I open my right hand and the coin has vanished. The coin is simply just whenever my right hand comes over to grab it, it drops into my left hand and I look at my right hand and I open it and it appears to have vanished. But the coin is secretly in my left hand. Now, if my left hand that is holding the, the palmed coin is stiff and rigid, it's going to draw attention because an empty hand doesn't behave that way. If you were to take something from your left hand and take it with your right, your hand is going to fall. It's going to drop because there's no reason to stay up and stay rigid. So it's those little things about how we dress, how we stand. Are we standing with our left side to the audience, our right side? Are my hands up? Am I doing something by my face? Am I doing something at chest level? I have audience members coming and going. How is that 
communicating with the crowd? Is there dead time? Does that communicate a level of uncertainty? Is it building tension within the crowd? So there's all these little things of everything communicates uh, that the spy uses to blend in. They're conscious of what they wear, their local accent, being able to do any conversions of money, all these things to help them blend in. Because again, everything communicates for us, everything communicates for them trying to blend in as a spy. Then the last thing he said was, you need to be able to, to adapt to new situations. And I connected having outs in magic with this. What an out is, is essentially a backup plan. So if something goes wrong in the magic trick, I'm not completely screwed, for lack of a better word. I can continue on. One of the things magicians don't do is we don't tell you how the trick typically is going to win. Because if I tell you that this is going to happen, and then somewhere along the process, I can't make it happen, then I'm out of luck. I need to come up with something else and the trick just failed. But if I don't tell you that, if I don't tell you the end and something happens, I can change and redirect and go in a different course and you be none the wiser that I messed up. So these are called outs. A good example of an out was would be, let's say I asked you to name a card and you said the nine of diamonds. Now I reach into my pocket and I pull out the nine of diamonds. Great. But having an out would be, if I took 52 cards and I put them in, let's say I had 52 pockets in my suit and cargo pants, and I had a card in each pocket, and you then named the three of clubs, I would be able to reach in and pull out the three of clubs. That's an extreme version of having outs, but hopefully that gets across the concept of having outs and having backup plans and being able to adapt as a spy to something changes, you need to be able to adapt make a left turn when he turns left instead of right, knowing the city well enough and knowing your target enough that if something changes, you can adapt and make conclusions about where your target may or may not be going. So that's a few minutes on spending time with how the FBI uses magic concepts in spying. Hopefully you enjoyed it. If you did, let me know, leave a comment, share it, like it, and be back next week when I have a special guest coming on who's going to really be able to go into detail about some of these magic concepts and business and how they relate. It's going to be a great episode. Stay tuned. Thank you, and I'll see you next week.